this thing on? Welcome to. Are you serious? Is that happening? I saw. I'll cut that bit out. <laughs> Welcome to Ecclesia, your on-demand dose of gospel and culture for the church on the island of Ireland. I think the whole show should be just barren. Do you know what I mean? Like, can I have my own show where I just skip out about things? It's not a myth, to be honest with you. Who <laughs> <laughs> really grinds my gears? Let's talk about property taxes. <laughs> whoa, whoa! Uh, parental advisory: Do not play this for your kids. I don't. I don't think you can. Darren's ginger. I've got a ginger beard. I'm you, also one foot two. So you don't own property. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't be allowed both. Welcome to the Ecclesia Cast. We are a gospel-centered, cultural, relevant podcast for the church in Ireland and whoever else wants to listen. Today, in our first episode, we have on my right Mitch Peace. Hey. Uh, on my left, Darren Murphy. Hello. And I'm Alan Keenan. We're your hosts. And thanks for joining us on our inaugural episode of the Ecclesia Cast. So you might be wondering what the name of the podcast is about. Ecclesia is a hybrid word from the words era, which is Irish for Ireland, which is where we are. Mm -hmm. So that's obvious. And then Ecclesia, which is Latin yeah. for church. So we aim to be a, a podcast for the church in Ireland. Um, yeah, Irish Latin church, is it? <laughs> Mitch, you want to do this bit? <laughs> we are making this podcast kind of for the Christians in Ireland, um, but also for further afield as well. Anybody who has questions or wants to kind of dig deeper, and uh, we're going to be discussing a lot of different uh, subjects going on in the world today. So we kind of want to give it a, a bit of an um, alternate perspective um, than what you hear in the world going on today. Okay, so that's what our podcast is going to be about. Um, we should probably introduce ourselves. I'm Alan. I'm somewhere around the 30 mark. I have two kids. I'm married. I live in Laos. I recently moved up to Laos to get closer to a church up there, um, well, across the border into uh, Newry. I'm, I'm from Longford. Uh, Longford was a pretty boring town uh, with no, not too many issues until about, um, well, about the time I moved there, but it was unrelated. Um, the one town councillor decided to settle a number of warring traveller families who were, who would firebomb each other's caravans from time to time. Oh my. So he decided to, instead of letting them just stay on the sides of the road, built a number of council estates and put different families who hated each other and had generations of, of war. He put them all in the same town and sometimes in the same estate and sometimes in the same street. And uh, this led to a, a mass degradation of uh, Longford Town. And everyone in the school ended up quite kind of rough <laughs> because you kind of had to be rough to contend with the travellers. Sounds like a brilliant place. Um, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I mean, it has a lot of lovely uh, villages. Longford's villages are lovely. A lot of them are on Little Canal uh, or near the Shannon. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit depressing, actually. Um, mm. I was hoping to kind of make fun of Longford a little bit, but I got a bit nostalgic and a bit sad. Um, Mitch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, originally from America. I came here um, seven years ago. Grew up in the great state of Kentucky. And um, 
yeah, we my, I moved here with my whole family when I was 16. Did the leaving cert, did college, worked in the bank for the last two years. And so, yeah, that's pretty much me. I, I help out at uh, our local church and uh, lead the youth in that as well. Um, interests, uh, I play the ukulele. I love craft beer. Uh, and I'm an avid skier when I can afford to go. And he's single, ladies. Yeah, that too. And you have a beard. I have a beard, yeah. So that's an interest. It's not just something that a byproduct. It it does make you sound like a total hipster, though. The ukulele, craft beer. Um, even being a Christian, it's so uh, edgy now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I am. Like people that I haven't seen in like I guess a year or two, and they see me now, they're like, "Wow, you've gone really hipster, skinny jeans and all." I'm like. I, I I'm not a hipster. It's just I, it's just the way that it's happened for me. I That's guess. That's what a hipster would say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like Stouts IPAs. Yeah. Pretty. I'm. I've turned into pretty much, in all anything, but uh, even vice beers. There. Well, I'll judge right, you. I'll, okay. judge you, I'll judge a menu by its stout selection, which in some places is one or two. Even if they have like seven to fifteen IPAs, they have like one or two stouts. I'll judge it pub by its eclectic mixture of chairs that are sitting outside <laughs> i know that i'm getting some craft beer if i walk into that <laughs> and lots pub. of crazy crap on the walls oh yeah yeah lots of old 1950s metal signs that are kind of rusted a little bit you know like those Coca-Cola are where i go or, yeah, yeah exactly, i know <laughs> <laughs> i don't even need to know you to know that because uh, craft beer it, it conjures up all this imagery I went to a <laughs> pub, um, I'd recommend it, called Mulligan's Grocers in uh, Dublin 7. Oh, I thought you were going to go with that Dunleary when you um, it. No, um, but uh, it is extremely hipster. Oh, yeah. So we were going there for food. I actually didn't stay for food. I had to go. But I saw the menus, and they were served in novels. <laughs> actually, you open up the novel, and in the middle is a menu. Is it oh, like cut my. out like a handgun in a James Bond film or no, something? No, you can just read the whole book if you want to. You're, you're served in dinner in a novel. <laughs> no, not the dinner, the menu. Oh, oh it's just a menu. I was like... Did I say what? dinner? Yeah, 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 I thought yeah. that's what you meant. I, like I they, they, they literally say. cut out the words <laughs> yeah. and you open the book and there's your dinner sitting there. It's like, like a Lunchable. Yeah. In a, it's like in that's a, book. a very expensive plate. <laughs> you know the way you wrap up some fish and chips in a newspaper or something? Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. You know, I was like... What classes yeah. of places like proper hipster though? Like when you look around and see the people, are they like all just like bearded in the waiters? Had, the waiters had mustaches and they were like mm. in their twenties. And they, <laughs> yeah. someone, someone ordered a Guinness and she, um, the waitress goes, what? We don't have Guinness. What? <laughs> like she said it like condescendingly. Uh, no, no, I think she was okay. But like, he was kind of like, Oh, okay. She's like, I can show you our stout menu, and they had um, they had some some good looking stuff. They had left hand uh, nitro milk stout. Nitro. Oh, nice. Um, I yeah. was trying to recommend that to them, but then they started complaining about craft beers that they've had and um, how they really don't like craft beers. Oh, and he just went. Tell the music just up. stopped. <laughs> tell like in a Western up. saloon. <laughs> Record yeah. scratch. Everyone just looks <laughs> straight over at you, and you're like, oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so every, it was a lot of packed, and uh, no Guinness. One of the guys told me a story. Um, he had brought his dad to a, a craft beer place. Um, he didn't really. They did a lot of foreign beers and craft beers and stuff. Yeah. And uh, he goes, "Oh, I'll have a Guinness." He's like, "Oh no, dad, they it's, they just have kind of foreign beers here." He goes, "All right, 
have a Carlsberg then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Darren, tell us about Tala. <clears throat> it means plague grave. It means plague grave. So yes. that kind of sums it up, right? It's an anglicized word from the Irish Taulacht, which itself means plague grave. So Tala means nothing. <laughs> so uh, very literally, it was built on an ancient burial ground. <laughs> so it's cursed. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> and if you've ever you been to level three outside of the square, uh, oh, yeah. the main shopping centre, yeah, there's, 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 there's people who are not too pleasant to hang around. <laughs> Zombies. Zombies, yeah, yeah. yeah. In pyjamas. Lovely. Uh, yeah, I'm from a, a graveyard. Great. But it was still good, right? No, 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 not at all. No, the best thing about Tala is the road to Blessington, which is where I spent a lot of time hanging out when I was younger. What's in Blessington? Uh, very little. It's it's just it's very countryside, and it's still on a Dublin bus route. There's some good so, lakes out there, isn't there? Yeah, there is a good lake there. Yes, it's called the Blessington Lakes. <laughs> it's it's weird, that isn't it? The Blessington Lakes because it is only one lake, but they call it lakes. So pluralizing a singular lake, but you can't say the Blessington Lake because that doesn't sound as good. I don't know why they call it that. It's one big, gigantic lake. It's actually a, an old village was actually underneath the Blessington Lakes. Did you know this, Mitch? No. No, an old village is underneath the Blessington Lakes. Um, like Atlantis. <laughs> uh, well, Ooh, maybe the lost village of Atlantis. Maybe. Maybe that's where all the secret technology that we used to have before <laughs> this flood happened. No, but but you're, you're from you're from Tallaght, but you spent a lot of time in Blessington. Spent an awful lot of time. Still I, I in Blessington? the countryside. No, I'm in the south of Wicklow now. Um, that is where I currently live with my wife and two children. Cool. Uh, we rent a house out down there, basically in the middle of nowhere. I step out onto my porch and I have mountains in view. You hear the cows mooing? Yeah, they're in the very next field. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when I'm out at night, uh, I'll hear this rustling in the bushes right <laughs> beside me. Uh, like when I first moved there, I got a bit freaked out. I was like, what's going on? What's... Next thing, a cow's head right in my face, like, <laughs> oh, hey, how, how are you? Classic <laughs> Irish countryside. Yeah, it, they're, they're all around me. It's great. I love so, it. I live across from cows as well. Uh, I live in Loud. And you know that because you're my brother-in-law. <laughs> um, you probably don't know. I, I, I grew up in a small village in Longford called Newtown Forbes. And it was basically a very similar situation. There's like a road and then just cows all out in front of me so it's uh it's nice uh some of the cliches about ireland are true we do have a lot of cows there is the sheep as well full of cows. yeah lots of leprechauns leprechauns yeah mm-hmm. and especially um the summer months you know yeah. the winter usually kills them off um, yeah we have some uh, leprechaun infestation in our attic at the moment oh yeah so yeah we've been laying down some traps a little piece of gold yeah obviously you know because yeah, you, you had a couple of leprechauns in your house. when well, you we, we shone a bunch of prisms. Okay. And I made the rainbow. Oh, the rainbow. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's the new way. That's, yeah. yeah. Got wow. cheaper Pink Floyd album covers. Yeah. Just put them everywhere. And uh, they followed that. And, yeah, little box. You, you set up a, a little string. You know, classic. just clap. Down. Set up like a little mousetrap at the end. No, we, we did it humanely. Yeah, Darren's uh, was humane. Ours, ours was pretty bad. We had to bury 11 leprechauns. Oh, my. You yeah. know, I, I know a guy... And uh, he used to do tours for American tourists, basically going con- across the country, right? <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, he would just be driving along uh, an old Irish country road, yeah? And um, what he would do is he would just stop really quickly. <laughs> just nothing going on. Just open road. Just stop really quickly. 
he would he would then proceed to get off the bus, go walk down, and then put put his hands on the ground, and then walk over to the side of the road, and then act like he was holding something, and then put it lay it down, and then when he got back on the bus, all the people would be there going, "What what, what were you doing? What were you doing?" And he, as he was driving along, they were asking him, "What were you doing?" He goes, "Didn't you see him?" The leprechaun was sitting there in the middle of the road. I had to carry him <laughs> off. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the American uh, tourists really love the the old uh, leprechaun stories. Well, they should come here more often. There there are plenty of them. It's kind of like uh, the Santa Claus myth for children, really, isn't it? You, know, you give them this uh, nice little thing to believe. You're saying Santa Claus isn't real? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, parental advisory. Do not play this for your kids. <laughs> Let's just cut that out. Let's just cut that out. It's too late. It's in now. It isn't in. How could it be in? Yeah. We've taught our children the truth about Santa Claus, to which everybody is appalled when they find out. Okay, okay. I agree with you, but Mm. explain explain that briefly. The reason being is because... I I certainly actually remember it. I I was raised very... There's probably a God. Okay. But don't worry about it. That, that's my upbringing in a nutshell. Um, and, of course, Santa Claus existed in my in my childhood. Uh, totally. Yeah. And I remember when I found out that he didn't, and it was my father coming into the room to fill up some uh, Christmas stockings, and I was pretending to be asleep, obviously wanted to catch a glimpse of the real Santa, you know? Right. And so that was my worldview completely and totally shattered. From then on, I could not trust a word that they said to me after. And you're that serious, point. like you're not. I'm joking. not joking. Yeah, I'm not joking. Even though I would joke about it. Yeah, uh, but I wasn't devastated. Don't get me wrong. It's just yeah. you're you're a liar. <laughs> you know that that was my opinion of my parents. You know. Yeah, because I mean I know that there is a point in your life where you go from believing that your parents can do everything and mm-hmm. anything to a certain point where you kind of eventually start to realize that they're human and flawed and and even sinful yeah um just like we are but Mm -hmm. having that moment come when a child figures out that his parents have been bold-faced lying even if it's for it's supposed to be a white lie it's just for the kids benefit and for fun and stuff yeah i'm not i'm not totally into having that moment be a a pivotal formative moment in my in my child's life because it's similar for me i kind of realized my parents are lying to me and then i'm like I think I had held a view that my parents couldn't lie mm. to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I was very young, it's nothing. They, they couldn't do anything wrong. They couldn't lie. So now, like, our daughter, in a sense, she's two and a half, knows Santa Claus comes around Christmas. She's seen it in her cartoons, and now she's seen it in all the stores and stuff. But she also knows that Daddy pretends to be Santa Claus, and sometimes Daddy pretends to be Big Bad Wolf and chase mm. around the house. And all the stuff that she sees in her yeah. stories, She's just like, knows it's a story. So in yeah. a sense, like, she already kind of has a little bit of trouble sometimes distinguishing reality from fact. So we're not, like, hammering it into her. Yeah, you know of course. I mean? yeah. But, like, we're not going to go, like, at a certain point, maybe when you're, like, four or five, like, you know, maybe you've started to be a bit suspicious. You might ask some questions. That's when they start hammering it in. No, no, no. 100%. It's real. We have yeah. nothing to do with it. What um, I think is disastrous as well is when, you know, people have to go as far as to put, like, uh, put like from santa on the gifts 
like I don't I don't want you know if I'm giving a gift I don't want to say it's from somebody else <laughs> you know you're giving you're giving the credits to somebody else for getting all the gifts that they asked for no yeah, because my parents would never get me stuff that was as good as what Santa got me. yeah all the things I really wanted came from Santa and my yeah. parents had got me um maybe some chocolate and some clothes for Christmas and I'm like God this is terrible your your yeah. presents are awful why would I thank you why do I have any appreciation for anything you do so for it's me? degrading to yourself yourself yeah. by if you say that Santa is like it's totally self defeating yeah like I'm happy to to do the whole thing and it's long long term she knows it's pretending because she loves to pretend she'll pretend anything she'll set something up and just have a whole scenario and she'll tell me who I am tell me what character she is I'll play that I'll play the whole thing out mm. on Christmas Day that's fine. Yeah, as long as I don't want her like uh, kind of affecting her, in and that way. that's the point that I agree with as well. So we've talked about Santa and leprechauns. So those are some myths. Mitch, any other um, myths that you might have heard about Ireland before you came over, or uh, stereotypes, or anything you saw dispelled or confirmed when you did come over? Uh, well, um, we've already talked about the the fact that leprechauns are real. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, is that a surprise or? Well, I was a little bit skeptical before yeah. I moved here. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's obviously the fact that there's so many gingers here, redheads, and I I was like, yeah, there's probably a few, but like when you actually come here and like walk around town, usually the people that are, you know, the people that are walking around town that aren't ginger are usually foreign. <laughs> you make it sound worse than it is, and I was going to try and I was going to try and tell you you're wrong, but. We're it's sitting actually, right here, Darren's ginger. I've got a ginger beard. I'm also you, one foot two. <laughs> Darren's a half leprechaun. Um, and uh, yeah, I was going to try and dispel that myth, but it would have been kind of hypocritical of me. You're in the room with two, yeah. two gingers. It's, I mean, yeah, like the the whole, that, that myth is, it's not a myth, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, however, 22 shades of green here or something like that, there's 22 or 40 shades 30, of green. 32 counties and 40 shades of green. 40 shades of green, yeah. So that, I mean, I think that's true because uh, when you go to the countryside, it is pretty cool. Like I live down by, uh, you know, I live down by the mountains and by the sugar loaf. Nice. And uh, when you go to the top of that, you see all like it, it it's it's a few different colors of green that you can see but it's a uh, it's pretty cool can you see the guinness lake from up there mm, i don't i don't think you can yeah <laughs> that's weird i would have thought i've never been up to sugarloaf but i know it views a lot of wicklow i don't N- not a literal lake of guinness where we get all our guinness from <laughs> like some people and might not think. a literal sugar loaf either <laughs> where we get all our sugar from <laughs> It's <laughs> sort of a black. Lake. It's a lonely mountain. <laughs> we name a lot of things after food, actually. You yeah. know, I think it is a lonely mountain, though, because I was, t- you know, I was telling a friend there yesterday. I was driving home. There was really bad traffic, so I went up over the mountains, and I couldn't find. I had no idea where I was. I went by Johnny Foxes, and I was just like driving up middle of nowhere. But I just kept my eye on the mountain, and I knew if I go that way, hmm. I'll find my way home. So I didn't. I literally, I didn't know where I was until I came down this road, and I was like, "Oh, I'm right outside my estate." It's beautiful. Man. <laughs> it was, it was just, it was amazing. Just keep your eyes on the mountain. Yeah, that's all I did. Find your way home. One of the stereotypes that's very true about Irish people is that we do like a cup of tea. So we're actually going to break for a cup of tea. Um, I'm going to put the kettle on, and I also have some. Yeah, sure. Darren's already three cups in here. Two, only two. Okay. I had one up in the car though. 
<laughs> so three technically, but you didn't witness that, so I'm not counting it. I brought a little something for everyone. Ooh. These donuts. Oh my god. To try Whoa. and make up for being late so often. <laughs> That's Oreo, huh? Unbelievable. Oh, that one's crunchy. So basically, crunchy is a chocolate and honeycomb uh, candy bar, and it's crushed over the top of it. Oh, yeah. So that's that one there. Ferrero Rocher. What's I got that two, one? two Ferrero Rochers. That yeah, is I thought a, that was a hazelnut surrounded mm. by Nutella and wafer on a chocolate donut. Uh, what else have we got? There's an Oreo Obviously, the Oreo there. chunks. It's just a broken biscuit on top of a donut. Yeah, it doesn't look that appetizing, but it really like, there might be an Oreo cream filling on top. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think they're overrated. What else have we got here? One's like strawberry, I suppose. It could yeah. be strawberry. And then the other one, I suppose, vanilla looks yellow, so I'm, I'm going to say vanilla. Good I mean, it could one. be lemon. Could be. Ah, yeah. Okay, we're not going to subject you to the sound of us eating these, but we'll uh, we'll take a quick tea break and then we'll come back to you. literally illegal to blaspheme like you could go to jail or be killed it's actually illegal in this country you know what Stephen Fry got got yeah. done for it he didn't get done for it well they were they brought out his thing yeah I know they it looks like the reason that that might have been that someone even tried to pro, um, bring a charge against him was to bring Light the absurdity the of, the absurd law of how that law was so he might have actually been on the side of Stephen Fry oh, but dear. like he went and filed formal charges with the Gardaí but it Nothing looks like came. he might have been doing it to raise awareness. We have to have blasphemy law because it's in our constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to legislate for everything that's in the constitution. So to remove the blasphemy law, they'll have to do a referendum. And they will. They will, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think this Eighth Amendment will probably shoehorn it in there like they did with the president age. Well, Sean, what was that about? <laughs> Sean uh, Bradford made a very strong case for the fact that um, trying to remove the Eighth Amendment from the Constitution or um, promoting abortion it is, is illegal, yeah. illegal under yeah. the constitutional law of Ireland uh-huh. because it actually speaks to, it says that, that people are required to, and the government is required to, uphold the common good. And the common good is described as that which is under the authority of Jesus Christ and the Holy Trinity. So. There's definitely a major problem there where it seems that it might actually be constitutionally illegal for them to even recommend abortion or to speak about the idea because it's it's so opposed to the law of Christ. The problem is in our civil rights era that we're living in, um, you're going to find more and more of this. I mean, the very first, the problem is the sexual rights, uh, what's it called? The abortion No, the sexual, the sexual thing. The sexual revolution. Oh, sorry. That's when it started. And... Um, it's just going to keep on going. If we, see, the problem is we have to tackle the very root cause, which is 1969 kind of sexual awakening kind of era stuff, you know? Like, if you don't... If you go and say, all right, well, abortion is bad, but, but gay rights is good, or gay rights is bad, but man and a woman not being married is okay, you know, you have to actually go... Uh, sleeping together, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, but, uh, you, you know, you have to go right back to the very, very, very first thing because people are so climatized toward it now that 
they don't even regard the initial spark as being bad, but that was a huge thing back in its day. We all know that, don't we? Like, that was major, and there was people out in the streets writing about it and burning whatever CDs or... They didn't have CDs, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, they they, they were really protesting it. And we would look back in our childhood uh, and look and see those crazy Christians. (laughs) Look at them with their silly glasses. (laughs) They're so backward. They're so living in the past. But they were right back then, and uh, we're right now. But... um, we're just so much further up in time that we see what we're going through now and we don't see the sins that we have necessarily committed, mm. you know, as being as bad. Mm. But they're atrocious. And that's where we have to tackle it, I think, because I've given us a lot, a lot of thought. And I think it's, it's, a, it's less about talking about gay rights and abortion yeah. and more about sexual in the first place, you know? Yeah, I mean... I don't know if I'd go and say that the sexual revolution is necessarily a root cause, as it is really just an outworking of the sin of all oh, yeah, individual yeah, yeah. sin, just kind of joining together in a sort of a, a revolutionary sort of way. Like, I mean, we what was promoted in the sexual revolution was nothing new historically. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. It was uh, just new to a, a post sort of Puritan and Victorian yeah. era um, Western world. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would agree with that. I would agree that we've been in the ebb and flow of uh, this, this all through history. Yes. Uh, sexual awakening, though, I, I believe might be the start of the end or the end of the uh, good time and the start of the bad time. Okay. Throughout history. I don't know how true that is. I just know that this sexual debauchery always gets up on a rise and the next thing you start to see all this stuff happen. Like, but, yeah. You know, um, but no nation has survived very long at all after fully embracing um, sexual liberty, like yeah. homosexuality. The Greek and Roman empires yeah. both fell uh, quite a short, a short <clears throat> time in their relative history, a short time after fully embracing yeah. the real homosexual way of life. Um, they've collapsed shortly afterwards. Well, see, that's the other thing as well. Um, we, 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 might, we might like to say in this day and age that this country is going to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. Things were so much better in the good old days. And I know that the abortion referendum is coming up and mm. then people are actively campaigning to murder their children. But I will say, at least it's honest, at least it's out in the open. Before, I'm not blaming the mothers, of course, back in those yeah. olden days, they, they, they got a raw deal, to mm-hmm. say the least. But in this day and age, there is there is a much more openness about it and when when people are open about their sin they'll, they'll either go one or two ways they'll, they'll be proud about it and the law will be imposed upon them and then they'll have no excuse which is what the bible teaches or you preach the law to them they repent and you preach grace to them at least you got that environment in this country today whereas 30 40 years ago oh i'm carrying a picture of the sacred heart in my chest at all times meanwhile they're acting like devils behind closed doors. Yeah. You could not crack that before, you know? Exactly. Um, I was listening to uh, Theocast, a podcast I listened to yesterday, and they said, um, I don't know if, where the, the reference was from, but it was saying if Satan ran the world, really was given unlimited control of the world, what 
do you think that would look like? The 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 image they said is like uh, the whole world looking like Victorian England. Everyone being very prim and proper. Everyone thinking that they don't yeah. sin. Mm. Everyone um, tipping their hats to each other in the street, being very friendly and going to church every Sunday, but Christ is not preached. Mm. And yeah. churches are filled and everyone's ears are being tickled and everyone is being told morality mm. is the key to a happy life. And so they try and imitate a sort of a morality on the outside where internally they've been buckled under the weight of that law. Yeah, when people are talking about sin, they're they're more likely to get convicted than when they're brushing it under the rug. You know, I know most of us, you know, guys just from different sins in our own lives, if if we if we brush it under the rug, it's a lot harder to deal with than if we actually bring it to light and talk about it with somebody else, you know? And whether that's anger or something else. See a lot of a lot of what we have had has been a, a veneer of righteousness. And that's a very dangerous yeah. thing. So mm. <clears throat> the way that the church has been historically in Ireland is is to present a certain image. And that's what I was talking about. That's why the church was able to to do what it was doing, to make it look like to hide the fact that, that these young girls were getting pregnant. Yeah. And while really there was systemic abuse going on under the under uh, behind the scenes and then that being covered up by the higher ups in the church rather than sin being exposed so there was a refusal to acknowledge sin in its real entirety so when you put this veneer on it all you're doing really is excuse the analogy but polishing a turd okay yeah it's it doesn't accomplish anything it just makes something look better on the surface to other people Mm. But really what you've got is you're you're suppressing the um the idea that there is real sin at the heart of the thing and covering it up and hiding the actual visual sin doesn't get to the root. So it's that the heart of sin is the heart of the matter. So what well, the problem is actually the heart of man. So if you start talking and trying to govern people's lives and to get them to stop doing certain outward sins, yeah. all you're creating is a moralistic people. Whereas if the church, as her real m- message should be, is to acknowledge that everybody sins. The pastors who run the church, the um, the congregants, everyone in, in every role in the church does sin. Mm. So it's not about a bunch of people who are coming together because we don't sin and because we're hiding our sins from another. We're there because we are those who sin and we want salvation from Christ. And we're there because we want to honor his name because he saved us or other people are drawn into it because they hear a message of, of free salvation. If you don't address sin as sin and you cover it up, yeah. you're making people think that their own righteousness and what they do gives them a good standing before God. Whereas if you address sin head on and bring repentance as a real doctrine, not penance. So repentance being giving up your sin, turning towards Christ, Penance being trying to make up for your sin. So yeah. penance puts all the work and all the pressure on you. Mm-hmm. Whereas repentance means we look to Christ who has already paid the punishment for that sin on it's the cross. It's also perhaps more offensive to God than the sin itself. Penance. Right. You say Christ's work is not good enough mm-hmm. to uh, save you. You have to add something to it. But that was Christ's frustration with well, yeah, the he said that they're Pharisees. inwardly they're dead men's bones, but outwardly they were uh, whitewashed tombs. Yeah, covering up your sin is like uh, you know, it's like having a 
a pot pie, say, filled with cow manure, and you say it's a beef pot pie or whatever, and when people actually dig into it, mm. they find out it's a load of crap. You know, <laughs> quite li- <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> I find that people find uh, it a lot more gracious when you're actually truthful about your sin and not hiding it. Um, yeah. Just from my own life and everything. Right. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I found being truthful about your sin um, also deepens re- relationships with other people yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, other brothers and sisters in the church um, that you, you, find, you think you're the only one going through this certain thing, but then you find that this person or this person or these holy people are, you know, these people that I would never have guessed that they would have gone through this or they, they mm-hmm. had a time in their life where they were going through this struggle with this sin or anything like that, you know, and it, the more you talk about the sin, it's not what, not what Satan wants. He, he wants, as Alan said, he, he wants you to keep it quiet yeah. make sure everything is the perfect. Yeah. yeah. But the more we talk about our sin, the more the church will grow. Let me start then. I curse an awful lot. And I do not look like a Christian. In fact, I felt the best witness to one of my work colleagues uh, a few weeks ago when he found out that I was a Christian. I don't know how the conversation took place, but I I basically, I didn't go on preaching and I didn't go on doing anything that you would expect. I basically started talking about my sin. I started saying, I mean, I'm no example. Of, of what a Christian should be. Yeah. To him. I said, you hear me all the time. I curse way too much. And, you know, I, I've, I've got a foul mouth on me when things don't go right. I am the worst person to be listening to, you know? Um, and I think that kind of hits something with him that, I, you know, at least I'm not trying to cover it up, you know, like that, that was the best I could do. Cause it was obvious that you knew like, yeah, yeah. in the first place. So what could I do? Say, Oh yeah, I'm all high and mighty now. You heard me ten minutes ago. You yeah. know? No, it's 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 good. You kind of approached it from that angle as well, because it's good as well that we are not um, out there to be examples of the perfect Christian. Oh, because Christ didn't come necessarily to be our example, but He came as His primary goal to be our substitute, our replacement. Yeah. So yeah. He stood exactly. in our place. So this yeah. righteousness that we have that is weak and is um, sinful, mm. yeah. that has already been covered over by Christ's righteousness. So it's like we, because of who we are and because of the sins that we commit, we need him. Mm. And he's the one who's done it all already. So like, look to him if you want to see an example of the perfect man, but I'm following him because I'm not. Yeah, who did he come to save, you know? You come to say you didn't and sinners, yeah. Yeah, you didn't the self righteous. Yeah, so yeah. says so that in Mark. So, you know, we need to take that in consideration that um we don't all need to be our own Pharisees. Um So we are. We are as well. I mean, if you sin, the first thing you do is condemn yourself like uh Yeah. Oh, how could you be saved? Look at you. Look at the action the actions you're taking. I mean, I sound like a Catholic priest in my own mind <laughs> most of the time, you know, like um, or an evangelical. It's funny. Um, our sin should really bring an awareness of our own sinfulness yeah. and our own need for Christ. And then when we know that need, we remember that we have already had our sin paid for, mm. that Christ has done it for us. That 
should be a moment of liberation and a moment of uh, freedom, remembering what Christ has done. Too often than not, we let our own sinful nature bring us down and, and question our own relationship with Christ because of sin. But like you were saying, Mitch, that verse, Christ did not come to call the righteous, those who think they're righteous, mm. but um, sinners to repentance. Yeah, I think we should treat sin the way a child treats his little boo-boo on his knee. We have the sin that we've committed. We've, we've hurt ourselves, basically. We've, we've tripped up and fallen and we've cut ourselves on, on the ground like a child falling down. The first thing a child does is go crying back to mommy or daddy. Mm. Look at what I've done. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that should be more. Knowing that this, the father is going to embrace us, is going to hold us, is going to mm. forgive us mm. for the wrong that we've done. Now, I know the analogy sort of breaks down a little bit. It's pretty good, I think. You know yeah, what I'm I, getting I, I like though. what you're saying there, yeah. But we're not. We're, we, we treat it like, oh, I could never come to God with this. Yeah. This is too much. I mean, he can't forgive us. Yeah, yeah. We have a small view of God. Mm. Um, we have a very small view of God in that sense. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Without you, we're just three saints and sinners chatting in the land of saints and scholars. So make sure to tell your friends if you enjoyed listening. We aim to have a new episode every week. So in the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at the Ecclesia Cast. You can join the Ecclesia Lounge, a Facebook group we set up for Irish Christians at Fellowship. And you can email any questions, comments or criticisms to ecclesia at gmail.com. So until next time, from the three of us, slanchet.